Greetings, cyberspace, and welcome to episode 116 of the Double Density Podcast with your hosts, Brian and Angelo. Double Density, your home to tech tales and paranormal primers. Now, first things first, Angelo, you know and I know that you drive me crazy with a lot of the things that you do and say. And uh, one of the things that uh, you've become obsessed with over the last couple of months is uh, the concept of magic and illusions, etc., etc. So today, I struck upon a gold idea, my friend. And that idea, of course, is I think you should get a magic-related tattoo. I don't have any tattoos now, and I'm not planning on getting any in the near future. But uh, maybe a nice magic tattoo wouldn't be a bad idea. Like, What are you thinking? Like uh, a top hat or a, a dove? Magic I was wand? Thinking, I was thinking the words like um, street magic across your back. Oh, you know what would be great is if I get a card tattooed on my like chest and then I always force that card on people, and then I reveal it on my chest, and they freak out. <laughs> Do you think that your wife would uh, be amenable to that? No, probably not. No, fair enough. Um, have you ever given serious thought to getting a tattoo, though? No, not at all. Okay, never. You? Every time, every time I come up with an idea for a tattoo, like ten minutes later, I'm like, "That's a tor- like a, a horrible idea. Why would I even do that?" Right? Um, and I haven't found an idea. That is strong enough for want for me to want to sort of like go forward. The only thing I came up with is my name and date of birth in case anything weird happens to me. How about just um, Richard Hoagland's hair, like the outline of? Yeah, I was also thinking on like, the face it, of Mars. Huh. Oh, perfect. How's about yeah. that? Perfect. It'll be like a, a huge back piece. I was also thinking at one point of getting an alien with a big dong, you know, because we're all alike. Anyways, just a, a thought. I want you to sort of like think about it as we, we move forward through time. Ask your wife. Ask your kids, especially your your youngest. See what, how your son feels about you getting a tattoo. He'd probably tell me to get a Pikachu tattoo. Perfect. I think that's a great idea. Like, uh, you know, maybe uh, like a little uh, Pikachu with a lightning bolt or something. Maybe uh, Pikachu with uh, Ryan Reynolds' face. Uh, it's clear that you uh, recently watched Detective Pikachu. It's on your mind. I did. I enjoyed it. I'm, is that it? That's yeah. <laughs> that's that's it. That's about it. It's, I enjoyed Perfect. it. Uh, the huge, the, the only logical flaw which we discussed earlier today, of course, is a uh, spoiler alert. Um, uh, Detective Pikachu and Ryan Reynolds are one and the same. Yeah. Um, you should maybe put like a, a spoiler. Uh, I'll put an air horn. I'll yeah, air horn. Yeah, yeah. The idea is that Ryan Reynolds is the protagonist's dad, right? Yeah. Exactly. And uh, I kind of saw that coming when you don't ever see his face, the dad, until the end. So. Uh, anyway, go watch it anyway. If we just spoiled it for you, it's still fun. So speaking of creatures and uh, things that go bump in the night, I the first article this week we want to talk about for the tech section is from the MIT Technology uh, Review website slash magazine. And it is all about um, uh, scientists in China are making human-monkey hybrids. I, my favorite part of the article was uh, the reference to a daring biologist. That, that made me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so Spanish-born biologist Juan Carlos Izipusa Belmonte operates a, uh, a lab both in California. Now he's working with researchers in China to uh, um, basically uh, stick together uh, human genes and monkey genes in uh, order to allow monkeys to uh, develop human organs for transplantation purposes. And this isn't something that's legal here in North America. The, he had to go to China to get this done. Now, um, are we going to make the joke, the obvious joke, about how it sounds like a science fiction movie? Uh, no? Are we? Uh, no, I'm going a different direction. Do you know who Dr. Alphonse Mephisto is, my friend? Mephisto? Isn't that a demon? No. <laughs> yes. So Dr. Alphonse Mephisto and his assistant, uh, Kevin, are uh, uh, two characters who live in South Park, Colorado. Oh, okay. So Dr. Mephisto in the cartoon South Park is the creator of a four and later five-assed monkey, a four-assed ostrich, a four-assed mongoose, a mouse-duck hybrid, a gorilla-mosquito hybrid, 
a rabbit fish, and then uh, a four-assed frog, a seven-assed Galapagos turtle, loads of pissed-off turkeys, and a mutant clone of Stan from the show. It sounds like he has an obsession with uh, multiple buttocks. Exactly. But it, anytime I read about cloning or the idea of like hybrid um, human-animal um, uh, uh, ideas, I always clue back, I always circle back to Dr. Mephesto and his assistant Kevin. So by the way... Oh, wait. Uh, is he the guy who looks like uh, he's got Marlon shirts. Brando? Yes. Yes, exactly. Uh, okay. Yeah. From the yes. island of Dr. Moreau. Okay. I remember. This is like early South Park, not like... Yes. Yes. 18 years into it when I... Like, no, 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 no. Like this it. is like first few views. Also, go check out Primus's track, Manifesto and Kevin, on the South Park Chef A compilation if you want to hear Dr. Manifesto's assistant slash... We're not sure if he's his son or not. Um, he's adopted son, but we're not sure if it's biological. But uh, Kevin's angelic voice uh, leases the end of that track. Make sure to uh, go check that out. That is my hot recommendation of the week. But back to talking about monkey-human hybrids, Angelo. How do you feel about this? We are kind of descendants from the same gene pool right so it's not too far off but it could lead to some really amazing discoveries it could also lead to disaster i think most likely disaster right because the way things are going the way that inventions and innovations are existing in this current timeline which is one of the darker timelines i do believe uh it seems like and none of these ideas none of these curios would uh, come to uh, you know uh, good uh, honest and uh, sort of like a, a positive net benefits to society well, even the term chimera always sounds scary, devious, frightening. Isn't that chimera always like a bad uh, monster in a uh, RPG? Yes, it's also the name of a really uh, decent groove slash new metal band too, right? So you would keep know that in mind, that, of course. Of course. Yeah, you recently went to see Iron Maiden. I did. I did on there somewhere in Times Square. I do believe it's called because I didn't buy a fifty-five dollar T-shirt, so I didn't pay attention to what it was. Yeah, you uh, posted some. Uh, photographs on the instagrams of, and videos uh, my friend yeah, yeah thankfully those tickets were uh, a gift okay um, and so i uh, i wasn't planning on seeing the show but uh, thankfully uh you know life uh, leads you in different ways sometimes it is a monkey human hybrid uh, being developed in china sometimes it is a friend asking you hey i have free iron Man tickets baby would you come see me with them friday don't say sorry baby or whatever the lyrics to weedus teenage dirtbag are i can't remember right now well, uh, and did he save money by getting uh, free books online? <laughs> uh, he may have. Who knows, right? Um, so our second uh, sort of interesting That was a terrible topic. segue. Just I know. You want to try that again? Let's try that again. Uh, well. Brian? Yes? How did he save up money for those tickets? By not buying books? Because there's so many free ones online? That is so on the nose and oddly specific to the next topic at hand of this evening. It sounds like you kind of invented this segue, but let's get into it. So apparently, allegedly, also sort of confirmed, but we'll get into why it's uh, allegedly a lot of the time. Um, millions of books uh, in the United States are secretly in the public domain, and you can access and download them for free. So a uh, due to revisions in copyright law, a lot of different books prior to January 1st, 1964, uh, have fallen into the public domain because the publisher and or author, or depending who controls the copyright, forgot to apply an extension to it, and therefore uh, it has become, uh, you know, of the people. And this is because, I think this is all because of Disney, right? The the extension to <sighs> the copyright law? Or is that yes. like an urban legend? 
No, that is not an urban legend because the idea is that, like, so for example, their earliest works, including Steamboat Willie, were perpetually almost about to fall into uh, public domain. And then all these extensions, because of course Disney is spending their lobbying dollars uh, wisely, um, things get passed, right? So the idea of the uh, Sonny Bono Copyright Term Extension Act, um, because he was obviously a politician in California, adds another 20 years to the copyright term for any posthumous works. Okay. Now, are there any books you went and looked for yourself? Uh, no, because I already had a lot of them. Uh, like uh, I was reading the John Carter books, right? Um, earlier this year, and I really enjoyed those. So those are like way into the, the public domain. Um, but something that is very interesting and something that we need to note is that um, theoretically, uh, there are not renewed books out there not being counted, right? Because of the fact that like the number of books published per year you know, uh, from the fifties onwards was so voluminous that it's really hard to say how many books there are. And the New York public library is working on, um, digitizing, uh, these copyrighted works and these lapses of copyrights, um, indexes in order to be able to better tell you which books are out there and which books are available. Well, that's why they just did the, uh, broad statement of millions. There's definitely millions. Yes. yes and, absolutely. um, one of those books is, uh, the expert at the card table. Have you read that? <laughs> That's by, uh, th- That's basically the Bible of card magic by the mysterious figure S.W. Ordinaise, which I think I'd want to do like a, a paranormal topic on him because the whole mystery behind who actually wrote that book is really quite interesting. And I think you'd even find it interesting yourself. Is he a human monkey hybrid? No, but he's a possible murderer. Oh, perfect. Well, uh, even better. Um, all that to say, if you are interested in reading older works, there is a good chance that you actually get them online for free um, and illegally for free, not just for free, because everything on the internet can be available for free. If you look yeah, pretty much. much. Yeah. Uh, the, the internet is still pretty much the Wild West. It's They're trying to like rein it in with lots of laws, but um, there's so many dark corners out there that you can pretty much get whatever you want. It's true. Uh, we haven't even decided to uh, take a deep dive into the dark net together, right? No, we did an early episode on the dark web. But no, but I mean, like, the, literally, you come over to my house and I install, oh, a, like, like a, like, yeah, like a browser. Like we're kids I, in the late '90s, just going on the internet. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Like the movie Yahoo hackers, chat groups. I apologize. Sorry, the documentary hackers. Yeah, hack the hack the world. What does he say? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Isn't it hack the planet? Oh, hack the planet. He's the guy from uh, Short Circuit. He sure is. I wanted uh, to say Steve Gutenberg, but no, it's not Steve Gutenberg. No. It's it's uh, uh, Fisher Stevens. <laughs> yeah, the guy who, yes, who unfortunately in the short circuit movies, he plays a man of uh, uh, non-white um, yeah. distinction. Uh, kind of awkward. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, they kind of ruined those movies, but uh, they're still fun. I haven't seen uh, Johnny Five is Alive in a long time. Um, but as you were saying before, the internet is kind of a scary place sometimes. It kind of is the Wild West. And uh, one of the ways in which uh, you can actually kind of create a sense of like safety or like um, a safe harbor for yourself on Twitter specifically is if you switch to your profile and tell them that you are currently in Germany, um, there is different and less and better content to view um, in some estimations uh, based on the fact that uh, uh, Germany's hate laws are very different from the rest of the world's and uh, more immediate action is required in Germany um, than, say, the United States or Canada, right? So you can actually uh, uh, set your profile to Germany and not have to see as much white nationalism um, as you would uh, if you and I, uh, you know, put our actual regular locations. Yeah, uh Twitter has become a bit of a cesspool, and we everybody's been saying this for years, ever since uh, certain people ran for president. And 
Um, that seems to have emboldened a lot of people to come out with their horrible ideas behind how things should be done in the world. Uh, we know, we've mentioned it in the past few weeks where I've been kind of off Twitter. I pretty much just go on once or twice a day when Brian tells me to go check our DMs to see uh, who's been talking to us. But that's about it. I haven't really been scrolling through Twitter at all. I don't know if anybody's noticed that I haven't been there, but nobody really cares, I guess. Well, I have because I've been answering things and then letting you know that things have happened. And uh, therefore, uh, I feel uh, uh, used. Yeah, Brian is the communication CEO of this podcast. <laughs> I uh, I am indeed, and that's fine. But anyways, so it's kind of an interesting thing to, you know, uh, you know, uh, geolocate yourself in a different place in order to avoid a lot of this stupidity that I uh, constantly see online every day from people. Well, this geolocation thing also gets done with a lot of stuff, but it seems like on Twitter... You don't have to have an IP address in Germany. It just you just change it to that, and it doesn't matter. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Whereas something um, like Netflix, you can't say, "Oh yeah, I'm in the U.S.," and then you get U.S. Netflix. No, you have to. It's tied to your IP. So, like when we were in the U.S. a few weeks ago, all our Netflix uh, changed, right? Because there were lots of stuff that we hadn't seen. One of the things that was on there was the old Super Mario Brothers show. Remember that? Uh, the one with the live action segments, then the yeah, with segments? Captain Lalbano. Uh, do you remember the episode with uh, Inspector Gadget? I don't remember that one, but I introduced that show to my son, and he thought it was really weird. Well, yeah, the animation's all janky, and then you go to the live action segments, which it just like it feels like a really weird version of like a, that sitcom, like Empty Nest or something. Yeah, it was before uh, Mario had his uh, look like standardized. Like Nintendo now has a way Mario has to be drawn everywhere, and uh, this was very much before that, and it was very odd to my five year old son who knows Mario in a certain way. Uh, so is he crusading to get it offline? Well, he came back to Canada and now it's offline, so he doesn't have to worry about it anymore. <laughs> so he's pretty happy about that. Yeah, he's fine. He's fine. Do you happen to ever order um, food from uh, uh, your telephone through phone well, call or an app? Uh, funny you say that. We ordered pizza last night, and uh, but we didn't. Uh, we got the phone number because we have the phone number of the restaurant. Uh, why? Is there something that can go wrong with that, Brian? Oh, absolutely, Angelo. Uh, get ready for this. So this is a Motherboard article entitled, Yelp is screwing over restaurants by quietly replacing their phone numbers. Um, and so uh, sort of at the top is something that we need to recognize is that uh, Yelp and Grubhub have joined in in an unholy uh, union uh, to harass uh, internet users at large. So the newest trick that they're doing right now is that uh, if you're on the Yelp app and you decide to hit up a restaurant, um, two options pop up uh, in the States. So it's delivery or takeout and then general questions. So if you hit general questions, it dials it directly to um, the restaurant's number. But if you hit delivery or takeout, it's rerouted through another number that where they record your call um, and then uh, upload it to the restaurant's dashboard for them to listen to because they uh, claim to provide... Uh, marketing services, and this is Grubhub side, not Yelp side, but Yelp, Grub, in tandem are now um, uh, bilking, I guess would be the best word, uh, restaurants out of money. Uh, well, I actually noticed this slightly a few weeks ago when we were in Florida and I was ordering a pizza for um, the kids and stuff at the hotel. I didn't use Yelp because it demanded me download the app and I don't want the Yelp app on my phone. But I did notice the phone numbers were different and the number I called for delivery that I got online from a, just a standard Google search was different from the number in Yelp. And now that you're mentioning this, it seems pretty obvious this is what's happening. And I really can't stand when stuff like this happens. Uh, do you find yourself getting taken? Like, remember a few weeks ago, I wanted to get tickets to go see churches, and I got 
taken in by a link that was uh, an online tickets reseller. Yes. Yeah, because I went I went straight to the source and uh, found the promoter and then went through their website and you're complaining about the price of tickets, which was four times what I was seeing. Yeah, and somebody like myself, who I guess I would consider sort of tech savvy, got taken by that within a second. But I'm I'm slowly turning into an old man and uh, getting sure. taken by things online. And soon I'm going to be sending money to a Nigerian prince. You are traversing the Rubicon of being forty. It's pretty sad. Yeah. Um, so uh, uh, back to the deal at hand. Uh, so Grubhub offers marketing services to restaurants, which includes being listed on the Grubhub platform for between 15 and 20%. And then they also offers a physical delivery service, which costs the restaurants another 10% of each order. So the crazy thing about this is that they don't actually calculate um, uh, or keep in mind how much an order is when you call through Grubhub. What they do is that they normalize and uh, sort of like collect the average of the last couple of online orders in order to figure out how much this call is going to cost them i'm not even sure how that would work so this so let's does say like, the okay, restaurant so say, get anything from this that's the yeah, thing so, it's the the restaurant seems to be losing out on things absolutely yeah so people who go on grubhub for example and they order something right so let's say like you and i open up a pizzeria because clearly you love pizza you've mentioned ordering pizza twice in the last five minutes um so you and i open up angela and brian's you know uh, home style pizzeria and then grubhub um uh starts uh, sending us orders right so uh, six of those orders let's say it's like 30 bucks each right so they'll calculate whatever uh, the amount is um and then figure out how much it's going to uh, cost you per call right but in some of these instances what happens is that people um and this is uh, explained in the story at one point so um one of these calls is just uh someone calling the wrong restaurant and then grubhub still charge them eight bucks so the good thing though is that not really the good thing but uh, uh, there is a way in which you can go back and redress this and let Grubhub know that uh, you um, they screwed up. How would you go about doing that? So you, each restaurant has a dashboard you can log in and you can actually listen to the repository of each of the calls, which is kind of interesting because one of the restaurateurs mentioned how freaky it was uh, to hear themselves on the phone uh, like that, uh, not knowing that they were being recorded. So they don't know they're being recorded, but when you call in, it does tell you you're being recorded, correct? Yes, for awesomeness, whatever that is. Yeah, that's oh, that fake sounding stuff drives me crazy. It makes it makes it so insincere. Just say it. It sounds more sincere when you actually say it, and that's it. Don't don't add stupidity like that. I agree. And this is on the heels of Grubhub, of course, um, buying up a lot of domain names from uh, uh, the internet uh, with uh, names that kind of sound like the restaurants in which uh, they are showcased uh, on Grubhub. And then uh, through uh, ranking and uh, good SEO, end up being sort of like the top hit um, when you research certain restaurants. And therefore, uh, the Grubhub version of that um, takes in the order. So I, I'm wondering, like, are most people like me where this is completely turning me off and I'll never want to use Grubhub ever again? Not that I've ever used it. Or do most people just not care? I think you and I care. I'm not sure, I'm not sure where people draw the line for caring because I feel like this is something that um, uh, is designed to sort of trick you, right? Obviously. Very much so. Uh, it's, it's like those... Um, have you ever played a free-to-play app? Yes. It's like the ads in there. They seem really sneaky. And I, I'll said, I've said this before. I, I don't know how Apple lets stuff like that in their uh, app store. Uh, this too, this is getting like devious where they're kind of skirting the rules of how things should work, especially when it's an app that goes in the Apple app store. Now, if it's an Android app, it, it's pretty much the Wild West there. So it doesn't really matter on that end. But uh, the Apple app store is supposed to be a safe place, Brian. I don't feel safe sure. anymore. 
and the other thing too is that the Yelp um, uh, app and before that the Yelp website were just used as like uh, you know Yellow Pages style repositories. Right now they're inserting themselves as middlemen, middlewomen, middle persons um, into the entire ordering process. Right. So through uh, the unholy matrimony of Grubhub and Yelp, this has become a reality over the last year and change, pretty much. Well, like I mentioned before, if you're on a mobile device and you try to access Yelp's website, it does not let you. It no, forces it asks you, to you download onto the app. the app. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it, it's kind of crazy for both sides, both the customer who has to uh, sort of deal with this and not even recognize the fact that um, um, Grubhub and Yelp have inserted themselves so invasively. And then on the restaurateur side, uh, not knowing or having to know that you have to sit down and listen to recordings in order to dispute them because you're getting charged a certain amount of money uh, per phone call because you're accepting orders through Grubhub, right? And a lot of a lot of places actually get caught um, in, in between this because of the fact they have to use Grubhub in order to uh, deal with their online orders because, um, uh, you know, sometimes they do taking phone but a lot of people increasingly don't like using the phone when ordering stuff they want to be able to sort of like flick a bunch of buttons and figure out what they want and then press send well you're a millennial you're afraid of talking on the phone aren't you it's weird though for restaurants i don't really mind huh it's funny uh, my wife and i for the last what 10 years that we've been living in this house we have an unspoken rule she orders i go to the door and take the order and pay for it <laughs> i do both in this relationship actually because uh, she hates answering the door and i hate ordering on the phone same um but most of the time i uh, end up uh, sharing the brunt of that you gotta get that fixed brian but even that it's you know marriage is a compromise it's not something on mine listen there's food coming to my home i'm not gonna uh, say no to that that's true <laughs> it, it, it gets bad when she just doesn't give you any of the food exactly that's kind of a different story though but no that's luckily that is year. not the case uh perfect harmony we share in all the foods we we order um uh the marriage means uh never having your own meal it always means that sooner or later my wife will ask me can i have a piece of that and obviously i'm going to say yes and sooner or later you're going to reveal to her that you met a vampire <laughs> uh that is uh neither here nor there and with that my friend let's move on over to the paranormal side of things see you there Double Density presents the sounds of your youth. Double Density. Welcome back to Double Density. As always, we're switching gears from tech to the paranormal. So this week we have one topic and one topic only, Angelo. What's that? Is it magic? It is absolutely not magic. It is actually something that is very interesting that um, I caught on a rerun of Unsolved Mysteries and dug into. And uh, thanks to the advent of the internet and social media and the YouTube platform, I've been able to see a lot of vlogs and a lot of video evidence of this actually occurring, which is weird to me and so interesting. And so this week, we're going to be talking about something called the Gurdon Lights. So um, the Gurdon Light is not a weird kind of uh, truncated version of, you know, uh, singer-songwriter Gordon Lightfoot, but uh, is in fact uh, a light that has appeared on train tracks in Gordon in Gurdon, Arkansas, which is located approximately 85 miles south of Little Rock on Interstate 30. So the light appears along a stretch of railroad tracks outside the town. And I'm really mad at myself, Angelo, because I drove right along there in 2014 going from Little Rock to Dallas on vacation, and I could have stopped had I known this existed at the time. Were your headlights causing the Gurdon light? No, but we will uh, uh, talk about that later, actually, my friend. So let us sort of explore the, um, the, the two theories as to how this came to be, as well as explore some of the reasons why um, uh, these lights are being caused, perhaps and perhaps not, and then sort of have some fun with that. So firstly, the history of the thing. So um, uh, common wisdom is that the Gurdon light uh, originated with a murder that took place near the railroad tracks in December 1931. William McLean, a foreman with the Missouri Pacific Railroad, was involved in an argument with one of his employees, Louis McBride. So apparently one of the fights was regarding 
regarding how many days McBride was being allowed to work. So during the Depression, uh, as you're probably aware, work hours were tightly controlled due to, uh, you know, uh, countrywide budgetary reasons. So McBride became very angry and he hit McLean on the head with a shovel and beat him to death with a railroad spike maul or a spike hammer. The green light was first sighted uh, shortly after this murder and many have come to believe that the light is actually uh, McLean's ghostly lantern glowing. Though, some sources say that the argument was because McBride sabotaged a section of track and caused a derailment. That's the one portrayed on the Unsolved Mysteries uh, report. No one's quite sure. A 1932 article from the Southern Standard in Arkadelphia paper states that McBride told the sheriff that he killed McLean because McLean accused him of being the reason that there was a train accident a few days prior. That's that's the that's the regular response to being accused of mass murder, I guess. I don't know. Uh, yeah, did did sure. anybody get hurt during that derailment? Uh, I don't think so. Yeah, it's it's just, it's it's very odd that there's two stories there, but it yeah, it does seem to be that this man murdered that man, and that's a fact, right? It's just right. yeah, no, a misunderstanding is, is, of what hack what caused the murder. Absolutely, this is an uncontested fact that exists out there. McBride was later sentenced to death by electrocution, and he was <laughs> he was <laughs> killed. Wait, what the blooper is this week? On July eighth. 1932 the garden light was actually first documented shortly afterwards uh, I, I wasn't able to find an exact date on that but stories have started to come sort of emerge uh from the 1930s onwards so as i was saying at the top of the segment uh this appeared on a december 1984 episode of unsolved mysteries uh which drew a, a lot of really interesting attention uh to the phenomenon and to this date exists you can go online go on youtube type in garden light there is a, a ton of vlogs on there there's a ton of evidence ton of like really interesting videos with lights i may even sort of like throw some um sound bites of uh, throughout uh, this segment to sort of highlight things, but I thought it was a really interesting thing. Um, not easily disprovable, which is kind of another thing that uh, I like to throw at you because sometimes it's very easy to say, no, this doesn't exist, but sometimes it is hard to sort of pinpoint a, you know, a real rational psychic reason, uh, scientific reason, not psychic, obviously, as to why uh, these things happen. That's the thing I like about this story is that it's ongoing. You can actually go see what's happening. It's not uh, like this ephemeral thing that, oh, I think you'll see it, I saw it, whatever, or, you know, like a UFO. It's almost like the Northern Lights. It just appears, right? And we kind of, you kind of can expect that it's going to be there at a certain time. So it is an actual thing that's happening. It's not like a ghost or whatever things that we've discussed and obviously can't be proven. This can be proven to exist. People have seen it. Scientists have seen it. They have guesses as to what it is. But Ultimately, it's still a bit of a mystery. Uh, there is, there's one thing that I feel is the most logical explanation, but certain things actually don't work with that either. So it's, it's kind of an interesting um, phenomenon. So let's get into this. So there are two main theories as to what it could be. The first, and I do believe what you're alluding to in terms of like the most uh, believable or approval one, is the concept of uh, if we were boorish Americans, which I uh, listened to a bunch of YouTube videos, uh, they would pronounce this piezoelectricity. Uh, but it's either uh, piezoelectricity or piezoelectricity. As an Italian, I prefer uh, piezo. So let's go with piezo. So Wikipedia defines piezoelectricity as the electric charge that accumulates in certain solid materials, such as crystals, certain ceramics, and biological matter such as bone, DNA, and various proteins in response to applied mechanical stress. The word piezoelectricity means electricity resulting from the pressure and latent heat. Now, when you say it with an Italian accent like that, it's just racist. I No, I could be partially uh, Italian. Oh. I don't know. Okay, maybe. That is another story for another episode. But uh, one possible explanation for the garden light is that the underground quartz crystals in the area are under constant stress and cause an electric reaction that results in the glow. Unlike other mysterious lights, the garden light is reported to always be present, but only visible at night. 
So the fact that it lies on a quartz deposit makes this by far the most logical explanation. Uh, the joke I made before with your headlights causing it, uh, the headlights are definitely not in it at all because it, people have been seeing it in uh, after the 30s and that uh, interstate didn't get built until the 70s. So it's definitely not the lights. They may cause some of the the, the, the events now, maybe, some false positives there or whatever, who knows. But this one seems to be the most logical one. It's on a deposit, it's on a fault, and these things started happening after an earthquake in uh, right. in the 30s. So right. it really it really has a lot of uh, dots that are connected there. Now, um, there's a physicist on the Unsolved Mysteries episode who says that the only thing that bothers him is why it always appears as a ball of light. It shouldn't necessarily yes. do that. That's the thing exactly. that's odd. So the the two things that intrigue me on this one are uh, its consistency, right? So it's been uh, it's been eighty plus years at this point almost, and then also the fact that it appears as the same shape all the time. And usually that is not the case because of you know how um, the Earth shifts even slightly um, should have caused this phenomenon to either uh, dissipate or change shape, you know, over the last like eight decades. Yeah, that that's the odd part of this. Now, what was fun with the unsolved mystery thing is at the end of the segment. A lot of people were hoping they never solve it because they like the idea that it's this bizarre thing. And I think that's kind of uh, special. I like that. It's I think it's kind of fun that, you know, there's a woman who said she wants uh, her kids to see it and to bring their kids. And this, since this was like 20-something years ago, that that's probably happened at this point. And it, it, so it's still going on now. That, that Unsolved Mysteries episode is 25 years old. So, uh, wow, that's old. And uh, it's, it's like 1994, it doesn't seem like that long ago, but yeah, that's 25 Here years ago. Yeah, exactly. It's just strange to think that it's still going on. Nobody knows what it is. With everything we can do, uh, I mean, we may have put a man on the moon, so who knows? We can do all kinds of things. We still can't figure out this this thing. Uh, I, I Have you ever bit into a wintergreen lifesaver? Uh, a bit into a no. Because that's that's the, uh, the piezoelectric effect, right? When you... If you're in the dark and you bite into a wintergreen uh, lifesaver, it sparks. Really? Yeah. You didn't know this? No. I, I'm not a lifesaver's man. Oh, me neither. But I, I just knew this, and I, I remember seeing it on a science show as a kid. So if you go, go do yourself a favor, buy yourself some wintergreen lifesaver. Wait, life hold savers. on, hold on. Well, wait, 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 wait. Asterix, uh, dental uh, bills are uh, not uh, ours to, to pay in the advent that you do decide to do this. Also... Uh, this is not an ad for wintergreen lifesavers because it does sound like I'm 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 reading some ad copy here, but no, uh, it, it's definitely just a, a phenomenon that happens with them because of you know what the, though the, the, you would be you'd be a really really good uh, spokesperson for uh, lifesavers. You're you know you're you're younger in the demographic that they're looking to hit. Am I, is it for old people? I'd say lifesavers and Werther's original are definitely uh, skewing older on this one. Okay, so no. They're for old people to keep in their purses so that they can give to young people. But the young people don't <laughs> buy it, so yeah. Bringing it back, of course, to the garden light. So uh, as you were saying before, the interesting thing um, is that this is a consistent light. So one of the main theories, as you were saying before, is that they're lights from the nearby highway, right? So as you're saying, uh, the problem with that, though, is that the lights started appearing in the 1930s with you know the highway uh, existing decades later only. In a 1980s Arkansas Gazette article, a former graduate student at Henderson State University researched light and stated the nearest interstate to the tracks is about four miles away, and a large hill stands in between the tracks and the interstate. If the light was caused by passing headlights, it would have to be refracted up and over the hill to be visible on the other side and then back down. So that the lights, we can pretty much be certain, is, is not a factor in this at all. 
Uh, now, is it a ghost? I say no, but I always no. say no. Um, it, it is interesting, I must say, that a murder happened at this exact spot. And, and is it at the exact spot? Do we know that for Pretty a much fact? the same stretch. Pretty much the same stretch, okay. yeah. So that's kind of, uh, I was going to say neat, like uh, like Shaggy would say neato. Uh, but no, I it, it's interesting that that's what happened at that spot. And now there's this bizarre light that shows up there. That is kind of weird. Dr. Charles Lemming, the professor of physics at Henderson State, was an authority on the light before his passing. He and his students did many observations of the light. One impressive find was that when the light was viewed through filters, the lights never polarized. Any mirage light would have. Okay, so we know it's an actual light that's right there. Exactly. It's not some sort of refraction. Okay, uh, poking another hole in the uh, headlight theory. So it's definitely not. This group could also find no electromagnetic current on the galvanometer and that the light appears consistently regardless of atmospheric conditions. So would that cut into the piezoelectric effect? I don't know how that works in terms of temperature. Like I haven't done a ton of research on that okay. um, in terms of like how that gets affected. Um, but it could. Well, if any uh, physicists are listening to this show right now, uh, let us know. Come on the pod. Yeah. Hold on. You said I'm pod. Gonna to, I'm gonna, I you, should, you should bleep that out. Yeah. Anytime we say pod, bleep it. Pod. Pod. Bleep that. So, something to note, though, that like it only starts dipping after uh, 150 degrees centigrade. Okay. So it's, it's a hot light. Um, uh, no, what I'm saying is that like it, it, this light would have to be extremely hot in order for it to uh, to for uh, piezo electricity to sort of like a uh, uh, dissipate. Oh, okay, okay. You know, year round, consistently at night, you can come visit this, right? And it's there. Yes, exactly. Um, and it's now owned privately. That that's so okay. So so like they let you, they, you have to pay to go in there now. No, I think it's just tolerated. <laughs> I think that's the understanding of like what's going on there, right? Okay, it's like why are you on my get off my lawn. I hope not. That's awful. No, it's not like Skinwalker Ranch. No, yeah, no. It is. It, it, this is like the playful cousin. It's like the stepbrother who's like it, really nice, but like not really like menacing, right? Whereas, like, yeah, no, you know, no predator like may creatures. have may have a chupacabra on there. Like, who knows? Okay. Now, do we categorize this as a mystery spot? Uh, I would say definitely yes. I, I definitely categorize that. I like that idea. I like the whole vibe of the mystery spot. You know, you're on a road trip, you find the mystery spot. Did I ever tell you I went to a mystery spot in Italy when I was a kid? No, hit me with this. So it's not anything advertised. It's just like a, a an urban legend that people know about. And it's, it, it's. I think it's an optical illusion, but I, I saw it. You're on a hill, but everything rolls upwards. Okay. So like I was in a car, we turned, put it in neutral, turned it off, and... It went up the hill instead of going down the hill. Um, I, I <laughs> dropped the ball in there, rolled uphill. I dropped water. The water went uphill. And the way I've heard it explained is either a bus full of children died there is one explanation, which I don't think is true. And uh, the other explanation is that it's an optical illusion. I did have one of my cousins telling me that if you put flour on the back of your car, you're going to see like handprints on there. Oh, yes. I do remember reading about this a long time ago. But there's not only, it's not this, that, I don't think that's in reference to the spot in Italy. I think that's in reference to other places like this. Right. So, um, but there are many places that have this weird property that... And I, I and honestly, I don't think it's anything gravitational or magnetic or whatever. It's probably just an optical illusion, or ghosts, or ghosts. But I right. like illusions more. 
Well, yes, because you love magic, right? So, um, you know, uh, things like uh, the Gurren Light, which is known as like a spook light um, or uh, like a scary light, um, uh, also exist in other places. So the Marfa lights, right? It's kind of, I think they're like the most famous kind of um, um, instance of these kinds of lights existing, right? Now, the Marfa lights seem more... They seem more shy, let's say. They don't come out as often as... <laughs> it's the, not as consistent, yeah. Yeah, sure. th- like this Gurdon light comes out all the time. More spectacular, but less consistent, yeah. So I... The Marfa lights probably have a... A different explanation. I don't think it's for the same sure. thing. Uh, yeah, it could be ghosts. It could be UFOs. It could be a Will of the Wisps, which I think we need to do an episode about um, sooner or later. Will of the Wisps. Yeah, that was... Uh, I remember reading something about that as a kid and... Uh, then being nervous about going to the forest. Maybe yeah, that's I why mean, he they, camping. Uh, they appear over swamps, right, and marshes. So uh, anywhere foresty. Yeah, so it can't be swamp gas. That was yeah. another explanation, <laughs> yeah. actually, was swamp gas. But uh, Year-round, can't, it can't be. like uh, Swamp gas is very atmospheric and very like uh, temperature-based, right? Yeah, and one of the people on Unsolved Mysteries actually said he's seen them on a windy night, so that makes swamp gas impossible. Yeah. Um, do you want to take a vacation with me and check this out? Do I want to check it out? Yes. Do I want to take a vacation with you? Man, not so sure. I don't know. We you could do it too for you. Get every your, night. You get your magic tattoo, and I get my mystery light. We can talk about that. How does that sound? Oh, oh maybe get a, a tattoo of the Gurdon light. Of the of the Gurdon light or another mystery light, right? It's the ball. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, also, similarly, there's also like the Brown Mountain Lights in North Carolina. There's like a whole bunch of these, especially um, there's some in the north, but they're mostly congregate um, in the southern United States. And you can find a whole list of these things that um, uh, and we'll include a link in the show notes to the night dot org, which the, I thought was really hilarious. Yeah. The scientific name for the one in the north is the Aurora Borealis. <laughs> no, I meant more like Michigan. Oh, OK. OK. There's lots of UFOs in Michigan. Oh, boy. Can't believe I'm dealing with an amateur here. You did some good research on this this week, Ryan. I did. Thank you. I uh, it's something that's super interesting, and it's also not easily disprovable, which I feel like I need to bring to the table with you because you outright will dismiss a lot of. Yeah, no, things. I don't dismiss um, this at all. I I 100% agree that it's something that's happening. Um, the what what is it? That's the the interesting part about it is because we can't we still haven't had a, a concrete explanation for it, which is kind of fun. No. And it's still occurring currently. And that's the thing is like um, you and I talk about how inconsistent a lot of these sort of phenomena are, but this is consistent. It's viewable. It's ta- like it's on uh, tape and video and digital media, right? So it's, it's not just uh, a one and done. It's actually like something that you can actively go take part in. The thing is, is that it's, it's something that is happening. It seems mysterious, but it's not crazy incredible, right? Like if somebody tells you, oh, I saw this light on a railroad track, and it's it's just there. It's not something. It's not like oh, I was on a ranch and a predator-like creature attacked me, and then a vortex opened up and I jumped through it. No, this is something that's you can explain somebody, and somebody could say, oh, I could see that happening. They nobody would ever lie about that, and then they can actually bring you there, and you'll see it yourself, and they'll prove to you they weren't lying. Whereas you can't just go to Skinwalker Ranch and look at vortexes. No, <laughs> well, firstly, they won't even let you do that, right? No, uh, because they're hiding something. Who knows what they're hiding? Yes. Uh, so kind of uh, uh, tagging this on to the end of our episode, uh, we talked about the September 20th Area 51 uh, adventure occurring. And then I was with friends uh, this past weekend. We started talking about that. Um, some very valid points were made. Like, you know, um, firstly, uh, with this much advance warning, the military would be stupid not to move whatever they have there to somewhere else. Right. Yeah. We, we're kind of telegraphing what we're going to do. I say we yeah, as yeah. in like uh, if the, I was the true believers. That. 
Um, I'll send you videos about how to properly nerd run because I think you need to uh, do that. Anyways, the second thing I was talking uh, about uh, sort of like uh, in the same uh, tangent was, okay, so we break in, right? And once again, it's the collective we, like humanity breaks in. Uh, the, uh, you know, the establishment gets overrun. There are aliens there. Like what's next? What do we do with these aliens? Yeah, like do they even want to leave? Do we Maybe make enjoy alien that? monkey hybrids? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, I just I don't understand the logic behind a lot of this. Um, I mean, like, it is a lark, it is for fun, but uh, some of these people are taking it quite seriously. Yeah, that's when things go wrong. Do you remember you and I were talking about um, a while back how uh, um, uh, journalist John Ronson and Alex Jones had gone to Bohemian Ro- Grove in like two thousand? Yeah, when when Alex Jones was actually a decent uh, journalist, and before he went insane. Uh, I mean, he was always sort of like. Uh, uh, okay, but he he didn't show it. I guess he was he was no, better exactly, at hiding his yeah, yeah. his bizarre thoughts. Yeah. He was one of those like uh, you know uh, tax code people. Okay, um, and then nine eleven happened, and then he just when he was off and running, basically, right? Yes. Anyways, all that to say that uh, who knows? Like, so you know, if if anyone has an idea of what to do with aliens, if you end up with them post Area Fifty One raid, we would love to hear from you uh, on Twitter, double underscore density, uh, and then you can head over also to double density Click on the contact button, write in Area Fifty One raid. Let us know what you think is going to happen. You can also email us directly at double uh, density podcast at gmail dot com, and then you can also you know while you're on double density click around, take a look at our pasty white faces. Though I have to say, Angela, I'm rocking quite the summer tan right now. I'm very proud of myself. Same here. Uh, you can see my Apple Watch uh, band on my arm when I take it off. That is a true uh, straight flex, my friend, as we say in the uh, rap game. I, I did wear my watch in Florida. See, that sounds less cool now. Now oh. just you just you screwed it up. With my dad hat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, anyways, all that to say, I think this is a logical place to end uh, episode 116 of the Double Density Podcast. How does that sound to you? Sounds good. This was a fun episode. Lots of stuff. It sure was. Grubhub, Lots of ghosts. Gurdon Lights. Piezoelectric things. It's pronounced piezo, my friend. Oh, yeah. Uh, I did actually see, thought you were going to do an episode on Gordon Lightfoot when you first sent me that link. I was very confused. Well, that would have been weird. Well, I mean, he does uh, write certain songs about uh, historical figures. Maybe they could have been ghosts. Yeah, and I've been listening to songs about alien abduction, so that's kind of cool. Oh, you've listened to Blink 2's Aliens Exist. That's no, cool. not that. But a different oh, perfect. Like that. All right. Uh, tools, Fade the OLED then? No, I don't like Tool that much anymore. I, I've outgrown cool. Tool. True words spoken from a, uh, like a very mature man here. Exactly. Anyways, Angelo, tune in next week as I give up and you grow up. Sounds like a plan. <laughs> See you there, Angelo. See ya. Did he save up money for those tickets he gave you by saving money by not buying books? I've said saving money too many times. Uh. <laughs> Welcome back to Double Density. As always, we're switching gears from I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. I will spit out my water. McBride was later sentenced to death by electrocution, and uh, he uh, was executed. <laughs> <laughs> executed. Put them in the Iron Maiden. McBride was later sentenced to death by electrocution and, ex- and executed, 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 executed. <laughs> Pikachu. <laughs>